Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm wishing you well here in 2024, and I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to be talking about what is really some of the most important trends for 2024, some things to think about, including what am I thinking about when it comes to good advice and growing my own brand, growing my own business. A lot to talk about today. We're about a week into 2024, and I hope that your 2023 is started off well for you. I talked to somebody today who mentioned that, you know, people were slow to buy all the way through the holidays and now they've seen a massive influx just in the last week alone. I hope that is true for you. I hope you're seeing the gears turning, the wheels turning. I don't know what the expression is, but that business is going well for you this week. And if it's not, if things are a little bit slower, we're going to be talking about some things that I'll be thinking of that might be able to help you here in 2024. Before we dive in, we always have a word from one of the amazing businesses that sponsor the podcast. If you ever thought about advertising your business on the show, you can always reach out Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. We'll be right back. Talk soon. There's one single piece of advice that I give to business owners who are ready to scale their business drastically. And that's knowing exactly what you need to hand off so that you can continue focusing on what you're an expert in. It amazes me when I talk to business owners who are doing their own bookkeeping and tax prep and worse that they're going through all this paperwork at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, even midnight, slaving away, trying to make sense of all of the numbers for their business. Business owners who are making it happen have already figured out that you can't do it all yourself. That's why I recommend Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions. Not only is he an expert in bookkeeping and tax prep, but what I love about Steve is that he'll sit down with you and help you make sense of the value of your business beyond just reading a spreadsheet. You'll be able to make better decisions, and more importantly, you're going to save yourself the crucial time you would have spent going through QuickBooks or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is that keeps us up late at night. So save yourself some time and some money by giving Steve Lay a call at Equity Business Solutions and he'll show you the value beyond your numbers. Go to equitybusinesssolutionsllc.com to find out more. So I've never been a big New Year's resolutions guy. I feel like my wife was giving me a hard time. Um, she was like, Hey, so what, which, what are your goals for this next year? And I was like, well, that wasn't the right question. I I have goals. This is going to make me sound like (laughs) I'm indifferent to all goals, but she asked like, you know, what are your, what's your resolution? And I said, "Ah, I don't have one. And she said, well, what are you, what are you planning on starting for 2024? And I was like, nothing, you know, I just don't, I'm not big on this kind of stuff. And here's the reason why I'm not big on this kind of stuff is I'm, I'm just, I've never been big on the fake um, the fake milestones in our life that are supposed to like spur us on to like some next thing. Now I'm sounding overly hipster or, you know, whatever, but I I just know myself. I know that just because it's January 1st, I'm not going to suddenly do things differently. Right. Uh, now having said that, do I secretly have some things that I've been thinking about? Yes. Um, am I going to share those things? Probably not. Um, but 
I do naturally, whenever there is a turn of a calendar year, I do start to think about, you know, how did things go last year? What am I thinking about this next year? And you're probably the same. You're probably thinking about what are the things that I should be doing this next year. Now, I think at a high level, there are certain trends that everybody's thinking about. One example of that would be AI. AI has so inundated today's landscape of how people are doing business that it's it's even so much being utilized that it's being kind of overutilized. Like I was reading about how Volkswagen, I think it was Volkswagen, is going to start including chat GPT in their onboard um, computer system for people who are bored while driving who want to have conversations. So there was a developer somewhere in Volkswagen's business who so loved chat GPT that they were like, yes, we need this we need this to be in our car right now. And I and I don't necessarily blame them for it. It's a great headline for them. It got them some additional attention. Will it ultimately move the needle on the value proposition of what you get a car for? I think probably not. I really doubt that five years from now, people are going to look back and say, wow, how did Volkswagen make it? That there's going to be someone who says, well, it's, you know, when they decided to put chat GPT in the car, that's when it really changed everything. I mean, and maybe I'll eat my words. I have no idea. You know, no one, I will say, I've said this many times, none of us really have any idea what we're doing. So could this end up being the, being the case? Absolutely, possibly. Um, I don't think it will be. But we're seeing AI and chat GPT and all of these things get um, so often mentioned um, that it is a massive trend for 2024. And if you, if you follow the podcast long-term, you might even have the wrong impression that I'm anti-AI, which I'm not. I have a premium, uh, open AI chat GBT membership. I like it. I like, um, the realm of possibility that comes from it. But if you listen to the podcast, you've probably heard me say things like, hey, don't be overly reliant on AI. Hey, don't, you know, and this is a, a, a more recent thing that's really gotten on my nerves. I got a sales call or a sales email, excuse me, from somebody who was basically like, hey, we can use AI to offload your sales. Like if you pay us, we'll have AI do all your sales for you, do the whole pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we know what that looks like because we've all experienced it. You have experienced the telemarketer, the person who spam calls you, the robocalls. More digitally, you've probably experienced not just the spam emails, but the spam DMs, the person who DMs you and sends out the message. And a lot of times we get annoyed at that person without realizing that it's probably not even a person. It is an AI tool. It's a chat bot. It's what have you. So we've all experienced this and we are familiar with it, even if we don't always think of it as being AI. So if you listen to the channel, you've probably heard me say things like, hey, rely less on the automated email and write an intentional email. Rely less on the automated message and write an authentic message. You know, instead of having to create the perfect system in your AI tool, just be human and talk to the person. And it's amazing how you don't have to do much to stand out only because by being human, you're already being different from what most people are used to. So I love AI. I think I love technology in general. So naturally, I'm going to be drawn to some of the cool stuff that comes from AI. However, 
If you are looking for AI to save your business, you are in trouble. You're sorely mistaken. It's not going to do that for you. These things are all supplemental. They're not, they're not the main thing. These are things that help what is already your main thing. You know, Calendly, for example, is a great tool that helps me with my calendar, but it is not the tool. It is not the thing that I sell for my business. It's something that helps my business. And I think as long as you have that philosophy when it comes to AI and leveraging it, you will continue to do well. So when you think about 2024 plans, you know, absolutely, you got to be thinking about the big picture trend stuff, the stuff that, that's at the forefront of people's mentalities. But I, so I, I, I think that kind of stuff is already a given. I want to share a little bit about some of the things that I'm thinking about for good advice, you know, five years in business. And man, I got to tell you, there's, there's these weird moments in business where you really feel like you're making it, where you really feel like you are like the business is creating so much momentum. Like I had a moment. I thought that in December, we closed November and December making more money than we've ever had in those two months. So you have like, it's just, it's just funny to me, like the duality of running a business. If I can even call it that, cause you'll have moments where you're like, wow, this thing's got some legs to it. And then you have moments where you're like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with this thing? Where am I taking this thing? What's the, and I, 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 to be honest, I think that's, I think everyone feels that in some regard, not like in a catastrophic way, like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But like, like the next step is a little bit blurry. It's not always very clear, which by the way, shameless plug. Um, if you hear, if you're here in Northwest Arkansas, you got to come to our growth group on Tuesday mornings at nine o'clock at red kite in toddy town. Uh, because we have these kinds of conversations where it's like, okay, this I'm at point a, I want to go to point B, but it's like a squiggly line. Like it's not, it's not a direct line from point A to point B. And that is very much a mastermind focused kind of group. Uh, it's open to anybody. It's free. Uh, and it's a time for us to grab a cup of coffee and just talk business. And I, I created that five years ago because I felt like there was nowhere for me to go to get insight for my own business without being sold to. So that's something that happens on Tuesday mornings. And we have these kinds of conversations, but as I've been thinking about 2024, I've been thinking about, okay, what is most important to me? And what do I want to build off from this past year that seemed to work? You know, I, I think, and this is maybe the first insight. I think to run a successful business, you really have to be comfortable with risk and with trying new things. Now, when I say risk, I think a lot of times people envision this to mean much more um, extreme terms than I mean it. When I say risk, I mean, uh, and the way someone described it to me was risk is whenever there's not a, predict a predictable outcome. You can't predict what will happen. That is risk which I really like that definition, by the way, where, where I've typically thought of risk was I'm betting it all on black. I'm going to spend 5,000, $10,000 here and hope that it works out. Like that's where I've thought of risk previously. But I think if you're going to grow a successful business, you have to get comfortable with risk. You have to get comfortable with the unpredictability of certain decisions that you make. Time and time again, I've had people on the podcast who've told stories of it's not fair to say accidental success, 
we're like, we're sort of whimsically going along our day and then oops, there's success. But accidental in the sense of you would maybe be amazed how many people have come on the podcast who run million dollar brands who talk about this sort of fuzzy, I'm not fully sure where I'm going with this, but I'm showing up every day. And then I made the right phone call. I made the right deal. I got a comment from a customer on, hey, I you sell this, but I really like this small piece right here. Have you thought about selling more of that? And then you pull on that thread and it becomes the main thing. It's actually not unlike uh, one of my offerings that I rolled out this last year, which was helping people launch and produce podcasts. I had never, from day one of good advice, I never envisioned doing that. But having done the podcast for five years now, almost 400 episodes, I had somebody who um, gave me a call at the start of the year and they said, hey, uh, I want to launch a podcast. Can we get coffee a couple of times? Can you help me kind of process this? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, I can do that. You know, I, I just I'm willing to help people. So I was like, of course. And then it was like, hey, can you get together with some of my employees who are going to kind of manage some of the marketing? Can you get with them and talk to them about it? And I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Well, then I started getting my wheels turning. I was like, okay, there's at least a tiny bit of value here. I don't know how helpful I was. I mean, this person ran it. I mean, they they took their idea and they ran it and they created something amazing. And I, I played a very teeny tiny part in that, just to be clear. <laughs> but I it put a thought in my head of like, this is kind of interesting. Well, I put that thought aside. And then I had someone else call me and they said, Hey, I have a friend who's starting a podcast. He's looking to hire someone to help him launch it. Is that something you do? Which it wasn't something I did, but I had just met with this other person and thought, I feel like I gave okay advice. You know, I felt like it was, I feel like I did at least steer him in the wrong direction. And I thought, could I iterate on this thing and develop this thing into something more meaningful? So this person, get on the phone call with this person, and I'm like, yeah, I think I can do this. And they said, well, what would it cost? And I said, uh, I think 500 bucks, which was a number that I just, I thought it'd be fair for my time. And the person said, okay, let's do it. Which I was like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and so we built this thing out together. They launched the podcast. And then uh, almost immediately after that, I had someone else approach me who was like, hey, do you, do you ever, I know this is random, but do you ever help people launch podcasts? So you get the idea of the story, right? So I think sometimes when we talk about innovating and taking risk, there, there was a risk in launching this kind of service where I, I could not predict the ROI of my investment of time. I couldn't predict that, but I was willing to explore it and think about it and try it. And when I think about 2024, I, I think that's like the first insight is, are you willing to try new things? Are you willing to embrace risk? Are you willing to try something and fail? And it's funny, like the psychology of an entrepreneur, like when you first start out, you are, or speaking for myself, when I first started out, I was so like, the world is mine to um, discover. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do, I was so optimistic. And then you have like your first gut punch of like maybe a bill that's due and you don't have the money in your account. And you're like, oh, wow, like I'm making a lot less money than I was making 
at my old business. I was I'm making a lot less money than I was making doing what I was doing before. And I'm working a lot more hours now. Like you have your first gut punch. And I think over time we get a little bit more um, careful and conservative. Now, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like we get more calculated, like it's a negative thing. I do think we get more calculated in that we've experienced certain things that we become savvy on certain decisions. I have spent so much money in advertising, in online digital advertising. I have spent so, I mean, I have probably spent maybe 15 to $20,000 in online advertising. I've learned a lot about advertising, a whole lot about advertising. So I'm not risk averse necessarily, but I am very calculated and how I manage that today. My approach to it today is very different than it was spending my first thousand dollars there. Night and day different. So I, I don't want to like necessarily speak out of both sides of my mouth here, but it's I think it is okay to not confuse being calculated and embracing your experience and your expertise while also being open to risk and and ultimately risk really is just innovation it's i'm gonna try this i'm gonna invest in this i'm gonna do this and the reason i kind of bring this up is i was thinking about this headline i saw about nokia when no when uh nokia nokia <laughs> i think it's nokia uh phone company right where i think we're all familiar with this brand name when nokia was bought by microsoft there was a comment from nokia's ceo which was something along the lines of, we didn't do anything wrong and yet we still lost. We didn't do anything wrong and yet we still lost, which Nokia was absolutely the market leader. They had the Blackberry phone. Um, they were sort of like synonymous with business and they no longer exist today. I mean, think about how much can happen in 10 years. Isn't that kind of wild? I mean, I say 10 years. I mean, I guess now it's been probably 15 years, right? Didn't the iPhone come out? Wasn't it 2006, 2007, I think? So we're talking 15 years. The industry leader no longer... I mean, imagine this... This this is this example is going to feel nonsensical, but like imagine if Coca-Cola was not around 15 years from now, if they were bankrupt, gone. Like a lot of us can't conceptualize that. Now, Coke is way bigger a brand, I think, than Nokia ever was. But like you're taking something that was the industry standard, that was the number one, that no longer exists only a mere 15 years later. So the CEO reportedly said something along the lines of, we didn't do anything wrong, and yet we still lost. And I, I, I think I would add on that to say they didn't do anything. They didn't. I mean, the iPhone, when it released, was so different from what people were familiar with with the BlackBerry phone. In fact, Steve Ballmer, who was part of Microsoft at the time, highly criticized the iPhone, which had a higher price tag. And as Steve Ballmer pointed out, it doesn't have a keyboard, which the BlackBerry did. And he said it doesn't have a keyboard, so it's not good for business. And yet, this is my point that a lot of us don't know what we're doing. You've one of the smartest minds in the world, one of the smartest businesses who got it wrong. And yet the iPhone became what is now the industry standard or industry leader, excuse me. So doing nothing, you know, we, I think sometimes we get scared of risk. We get scared of doing something and failing. 
when doing nothing should be scarier than that. Doing nothing should be what scares us because we're not willing to try new things. We're not willing to innovate. We're not willing to see, you know, pull on that thread and see where does that lead to. And that then in turn leads to mediocrity and a lack of, of advancement, a lack of innovation, and ultimately getting beat by someone else who's hungrier than you, who's willing to try new things, who's willing to fail in a way that you weren't willing to. Now, I think, again, day one of the business, we all have that hunger. We all have that willingness to like, yeah, I'll try it. I'll get, and if I get knocked down, I'll get back up. But it's somewhere around like those early to mid days that we become a lot more conservative. So number one, my biggest thing I'm thinking about for 2024 is I'm going to try new things and I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. If this podcast service, which I mean, I've already sold quite a bit for this, so I feel like it's got some pretty good legs to it. But if a year from now I decide it's not worth it, I have no problem hanging up that service and not being embarrassed that it didn't work. Now, right now it's working really well, but if that's not the case a year from now, I'm not going to be embarrassed to say, yep, that didn't work. I feel like in today's social media world, we have this mentality that it has to be, we have to get it right the first time, that we're all business gurus, that we don't make mistakes, instead of embracing our failures. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you a little secret of mine. I'll go ahead and reveal this, and one of you can steal this and do it for yourself. But part of this is I've been so, it tickles me how much content people put on social media that is all about their wins and how easy it is and the big sales they made and yada, yada. And, and by the way, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think if you have a win, you should share it because no one's going to share it for you. Like that was something I had to learn myself was rather than being humble, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than like being humble and like, I'm not going to tell anybody I, I had to understand that no one was going to celebrate my wins unless I did. And no one would know about my wins unless I talked about it. And there's a way you can do that while also still being humble and not being, you know, it's all about me, right? But you got to think about your wins. Anyway, but a lot of people, though, they talk about their wins like, and I see people who, and I've told the story many times, but a guy who he put out a post or a blog or something, and he was talking about how his marketing agency was so easy that he, he, in a six months time, he developed his offer, he sold the program and he became a millionaire quote overnight. Well, this guy, here's what was so funny to me. He, t he tells the six month timetable, but this guy had been doing Facebook marketing for 10 years. He had been managing a group on Facebook for 10 years. And I thought, the 10 year part isn't very sexy. So we didn't talk about it, even though like big picture wise, that is even more meaningful. A story you grinded for 10 years and then you finally, the momentum took a turn and now you are deeply successful as a multi-million dollar business. But we don't always tell that story. Often we tell the story of it happened overnight which then in turn makes us think that if it's not happening for us overnight, we're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with our business or there's something wrong with me. You know, it's imposter syndrome. What's, you know, what do I not have what it takes when it, it, it often just, it just takes more time. And on that same note, it often makes us think that we have to get it right the first time 
instead of understanding that failure is often teaching us and guiding us, we're learning from it, it's moving us one step closer to where we ultimately want to go. And more importantly, failing with our customers often helps us iterate our products in a way that ultimately delivers on what we always want to deliver in the first place, a great quality product or service. It's hard to do that without having those pain points with our customers where they say, hey, this, this wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. This wasn't quite what I was expecting or, you know, and sometimes people aren't as even that direct, but so you have to be willing to try new things and you have to be willing to embrace risk in 2024, especially with how fast things are changing. The economy, I feel like is, is continuing to change and develop on a week to week basis. There's a lot of doomsday content out there or, or news articles out there. If you're going to stay ahead of the game, you have to be willing to change how you do the game. The clearest example I have of this is when COVID happened. Um, I was working with the company. I got on a call with a company who sold a service and it was an in-person service. And I said, you know, you've got to find a way to deliver this online. It was like an educational thing. And I said, you got to find a way to deliver this online. And they said, well, there's no way to deliver this online. It has to be in person. And I very plainly said, then, then you have a problem. You have a problem because you have something that cannot be delivered online in a world that is about to go remote. Um, and we know how long, how long, not just the shutdown, but how long that sort of virtual world, I mean, it was several months, right? Um, I don't think that business made it long-term. I don't, I haven't, I haven't checked to see if it like restarted up, but there was a period where I thought, okay, this business is done. So nothing against them, just, you know, you, you have to be willing to do something. It's, it's actually, it's, it's the old adage of burn the ships. Like you have to be willing, uh, or like, if you ever read good to great, it's the expression, sell the mills which was, um, I think it was Kimberly Clark was the paper company and they'd always done like magazines or something. I'm butchering the story, but they sold their paper mills to go all in on their business. Like you've got to be willing to make those big decisions, right? Even if it's scary and you know, we all love the survivorship bias story. Like they, they, they burned the ships and then they made it. Sometimes you burn the ships and you're like, okay, I have, I really screwed myself here and you take it on the chin and you, you keep going, right? couple of things I'm thinking about for 2024. One, uh, one of those two things, that's our, I guess, I guess if we're doing this, like in, in the three points on what to think about for 2024, the first one being embracing risk. The second one is embracing content. I was talking about this this morning at our growth group. You know, when you sit down, when you get on a sales call with someone or you, you connect with someone, it is rare that that person is ready to buy right then and there depending on how that person came to you, by the way, if they came through like, um, a short form, a job form or a, uh, a contact form, a submission form on your website, if they came to you that way, chances are they're a lot closer to buying than, than the average Joe Schmo who comes across like meeting you. But in general, when you sit down to connect with someone, it is rare that they are ready to buy right then and there that moment. If the average person buys after seven interactions with you, I'm, I'm pulling this number out of my rear. I don't know what the number is, but it does take time to build trust with someone. For someone to build trust with your brand and buy from you, it does take time. So if someone requires a number of interactions with you, what will be your way to create those interactions? 
And I'll go and tell you, the answer isn't more coffee. The answer isn't more get togethers because that person is only going to sit down with you probably once a quarter, maybe once every six weeks. There might be someone that you hit it off with who you say, let's do this again sometime. They say, yeah, and maybe you get together the next month. But most people you connect with, they're going to sit down with you maybe once a quarter. I, even I think of my best customers when we just get together and just to have lunch, it's, it's maybe a few times a year. And that's, that's just the nature of life, right? Like we're busy. We're all busy. But understand this. If someone needs seven times to buy from you, do you have the time to wait for those seven times to happen? The answer is no. If you're going to run a business that is cash flow, I mean, you're making money, right? You're making money so that the business survives. If let's say you meet with someone on average once every being generous, two months, you will need 14 months to close the sale from that person. That's a pretty long selling cycle. Right now, this is going to change per industry, right? I mean, this is going to change per service. If you're something, if you're selling something more transactional, you're an electrician, you do lawn care, what have you. Chances are, when someone connects with you, they're ready to buy right then and there. So that's that's the caveat of this example. Is you know naturally, it's it's much different in that world. But selling a service that is premium, that's more than thirty dollars. It's more than $40. It's a premium service. You're trying to scale a business around a premium offering. It's going to be hard to do that, to, to allow the business to survive over a 14-month period. So what do you do? You have to go all in on embracing content. Embracing content. You have to find a way to create touch points that you're customers can engage with. Now, there is a little bit of a nuance to this. If you sell, if you're a financial advisor, uh, there's a number of restrictions on what you can talk about. If you do taxes, there's going to have to be a way that you make it interesting, right? You know, I mean, um, I, I don't, I don't know how many people are like reading blogs on 1040s, right? Isn't that the thing? 1040s. We're like, you know, here's why, you know, here's how do you navigate a schedule C? I mean, like, it's just, it's just, it's just, I'm not in my free time reading about this stuff. Right. So you got to think about ways that make it interesting. I think about like, you know, if there's a podcast that's like from like a tax person, that's like, um, you know, the, the worst businesses I ever saw, the worst train wrecks of books I ever saw. That's interesting. I'd read that. Right. But point being, you need to think of a way to engage people with you regularly. That could be a full-blown content system on social media. It could be a YouTube channel. It could be um, a newsletter. It could be, um, I mean, it could be a number of things, right? Um, it's something to think about for 2024. How am I creating ways for people to engage with me regularly. And I think sometimes we're a little bit too hard on ourselves with this. I think sometimes we're a little bit too more too negative on our, like, Oh, well, no one's ever going to read that. Well, who would care about that? Well, some people might find it interesting. They might read it. Some of your biggest fans, some of your best customers might read it. Right. Uh, and more importantly, 
if you need proof of this kind of stuff working, I mean, you could just look at like your biggest competitors who are going all in on this kind of stuff. You know, they're going all in on content on their website. They're going all in on their social media. I mean, it's, it's not just money to burn. There is an ROI to it. It's just that the ROI is often not like what people think about social media is if I make this post, will it make me a thousand dollars? Will it get me my next sale? And the answer could be yes. More often it's no. More often the people who've come to me, uh, who've engaged with me online, who become a customer, they've interacted with a number of things that I've created rather than they saw the one, um, which, you know, it's not that the one can't sell. I, I put out a post about advertising on the podcast uh, and somebody literally reached out to me that day and said, hey, yeah, I, I, need, I need to get that. I need to do that. Uh, deal done, right? So thinking about this, you may not know the answer, but if someone's going to need a number of touch points to connect with me, how will I create those touch points? That's the question. That's the question. There's only so many coffee appointments you can have with a person. How will I create touch points with someone? And I think sometimes we're a little bit averse to this. We feel like we're forcing, we're forcing it in the sense of, well, I don't want to make the person get together with me. I don't want to make the person. And, and, you know, part of that is true. You know, you don't want to be the slimy salesperson, the used car salesperson who can't take no for an answer. But on another point, the way I've always saw, the way I've always seen it is I want this person they may not be ready to buy today, but when they are ready to buy, I want them to have had enough touch points with me to trust me so that they do buy from me. So it's even less about I'm creating touch points so that they purchase. I'm creating trust points with them. I'm trading and I'm creating engagement points with them to build trust so that when it is time, they they've already decided on me. And I've actually had people tell me that. I've had people say, um, you know, hey, yeah, when I when I start a podcast, I'm going to give you a call or, hey, when I'm ready to get some advertising, I'm going to give you a call. Like I, I get these things already. So the trust, the trust is already there. It's just building. It, it's it's creating and being intentional about that. So for me, uh, I decided a while back I'm going to post on social media every day. So every day I post on LinkedIn. The only exception are holidays or like times where I'm like legitimately out of town. So like yesterday was Monday. It was the first day of the week. I didn't post cause I was out of town for a funeral. Uh, so it just, it just didn't happen. So, and I don't feel, I don't feel bad. I don't give myself a hard time about it. It's just like every day that I'm working, there will be a post. And there have been days that that has come at eight o'clock at night. And there's been other days where it's like first thing in the morning. Right. But I decided I'm going to do that to create those touch points. The other thing I decided I was going to do, and this one was a, a while back, um, was I'm going to release a podcast episode every single week. Early on when I did the podcast, there would be, it, it was back then it was an episode a week, honestly, but then I'd have two or three weeks go by without any episode posted just because I get busy or I, you know, I'd kind of lose my creative edge or what have you. But there came a point where I said, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to post every single week. I've said this on, on another podcast and I've said this also to people in person, but I deeply believe that consistency beats quality. Every time you, you have to know, or maybe I'll speak for myself. There's nothing that I could ever post that would not ever really be unique in the sense of there's no insight that I could have that someone else wouldn't already have. Like when I, when I post a post about, 
you know, valuing your employees, caring about your employees. This is content that has been posted 10 million times. You can Google it. You will find an endless number of articles, blogs, posts, what have you about caring for your employees. When I post about being in tune with your customer and talking to your customer and connecting with your customer, you can Google that. You're going to find 10 million pieces of content around that exact same thing. It's not any different. But the consistency of it is something that you can leverage. I'm going to post consistently. I'm going to build touch points consistently. And that ultimately came from my dad who uh, ran a very successful business and, or, or was part of a very successful business. And his whole ideology was, I'm going to connect with people so that they know I haven't died yet, which that was more of a joke towards um, the end of his career where he, he just wanted people to know he was still alive. But I think that that whole philosophy is true in business, showing up every day so people know you're still in business, you're still around, and you're still doing good work. So what are you going to do for 2024 to create those touch points and those moments of trust with your prospective buyer? And then number three, the last one, this one I can be short and sweet on because um, it's basically going to be, you know, I'm super biased on it. For 2024, I'm going to continue to go all in on podcasting. I've really continued to see podcasting. You know, I just think about like COVID and like the different highs and lows for my business. And the podcast has never really slowed down. It's just never really slowed down. It's continued to grow. It's continued to hit new highs. We started monetizing it this last year with adver paid advertising on it. Uh, and that's done really well for its first year. It, it kind of stuns me, honestly. So, you know, should you start a podcast in 2024? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. If you do, I hope you call me to get some help to do it. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if podcasting is the answer for everybody. I think it's the answer for me. And I will say I've had a number of people who I never would have thought would want to start a podcast who've reached out to say, Hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. <laughs> so people are seeing the value in it. We're seeing a number of businesses that are starting podcasts that I just was at an event this morning and one of the guys there was talking about how NPR was cutting out sound bites from their radio program to post it as a podcast, you know, just to reach more people. Uh, I was reading about how YouTube now, and I just, I just did this on YouTube. I, I hope it, I hope it works out. I don't know if it will, but YouTube will, it just rolled out this feature. It'll let you uh, basically upload your podcast directory and they'll repost it as podcast episodes. So I just, I just did that today or this, it just went public today, but, um, you know, it's just like AI. When you start to see a number of businesses talk about something, it's worth listening to. It's worth taking an interest in. And even if you aren't going to do a podcast yourself, I have a customer of mine and they do advertising on my podcast, but, um, the owner of that business, he was like, Hey, I don't want to start a podcast, but I do want to be a guest on a bunch of podcasts. Like I want to leverage the podcast world. Uh, so I connected him with a number of people. Maybe that's the answer for you. I don't know, but looking at the trends, looking at what people are talking about, I think it'd be a mistake to ignore podcasting whether that's through advertising or guesting or starting your own, I think it would be a mistake to ignore it. Just like even when I, you know, talk a little bit um, more hipster about AI, you, it would still probably be a mistake to ignore AI entirely. So anyway, those are the three things I'm thinking about for 2024. Um, what are you thinking about? 
what's at the top of your mind? How are you planning on scaling your business? I'd love to hear about it. You can always email me, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. And I'm optimistic about this year. We had an incredible year last year, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I'm, I'm looking to grow and continue to see this thing develop. Uh, and I wish you well. Don't be a stranger. If you've been listening to the podcast long-term, you can always reach out to me what you think about the show. Uh, if you love the show, you've been following the podcast long-term, I'd love a review from you. You can leave one on the podcast platform or you can go to my Google business profile. Uh, just search good advice here in Northwest Arkansas and you can drop us a review. Um, other than that, that's today's episode. It's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. Have a great 2024. See ya.